Hi, my friends. I do this work with all my heart for you. So please contribute generously to Future Primitive. my friends, all my friends who listen to Future Primitive. I'm on the phone with the magnificent Rachel Bagby. And she says, which I really like, if I were to create a resume, it would be scrawled on a piece of sheet music with a big swooping treble clef next to my name, Rachel Bagby, J.D. It would include a number of positions, titles and roles, graduate from Stanford Law School, poetic innovator, creator of the CAS facilitation, meditation instructor at IMS, Spirit Rock, the Omega and the Garrison Institute, co-founder of Metanoia, international speaker and author of Divine Daughters. Oh, many, many things. And uh, being a soprano in Bobby McFerrin's original international touring ensemble. And I love that Rachel then says, I am fascinated, I am captivated, I am devoted. And so she says, I am fascinated by what falls away when we are awestruck to our bones. I am captivated by the fact of all of us on earth are literally dancing through the cosmos. And I am devoted to unlocking the leadership, wisdom inside each and every woman. She says, I live and love to perform voice blessings, created commissioned works of poetic and choral art, and so on and so forth. And then she says, what do you live for? Let it sing louder. So, Rachel, welcome. And what I want to ask you is, when did you first hear the music? <laughs> when was music born? Uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually John, a fourth generation of musicians and farmers, healers, educators, and lovers of land, herbalists, and rabble rouser for the good so uh, it, ancestrally this has been my joy and birthright this ray of music mm-hmm. so the earth the the farm and the music together mm-hmm. tell us farm. tell us about that 
singing. Well, we're having this conversation. I am here on Singing Farm. And while I do travel out for so much of my work in communities, it's such a joy to be here during the golden harvest time of year, singing farms here in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia. Yes. It is, um, I just yesterday thought to change the name to Singing Farm Sanctuary. Mm. It's very much that. The stars at night are the loudest voices that you hear here. And I'm, I'm surrounded by the foothills of the Blue Ridge uh, permaculture advisors who came to look with me as I was looking for places, uh, said that this place is a near-perfect east-west uh, ridge here in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and I grow fruit and vegetables and a lot of medicine. I'm a member of the United Plant Savers, and this is a group that was founded by uh, Rosemary Gladstar years ago to look at really the uh, herbal communities that are endangered because of over-harvesting. Mm. And members of United, United Plant Savers keep our eye on these at-risk herbs, and we plant an, an overabundance of them for the plants themselves so that they can reestablish themselves in their habitats where they have been over-harvested. So for us, that means... The, um, so many of the roots uh, have been yanked out of the ground in this region, and so I'm planting a lot of, of those roots, which I will not name out loud so that it doesn't become a target, but mm-hmm. we plant a lot of them to stay in the ground so that the plant nations can reestablish themselves as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's really that golden time of year. And I just uh, dug my sweet potatoes, so I have these golden, yummy, brown, round friends wow. laying all over the floor, getting getting cured so that they will last us through the season. And it's such a joy to mm-hmm. to feed the earth and to see how the earth feeds us uh, with such overabundance. It's astounding. I'm going to make a lot of people happy with pie. Mm. <laughs> Sweet potato pies. Sweet potato pies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you make me uh, think about something because, uh, you know, my family, uh, my mother was from Poland and uh, they came all the way, all the way. And then I, I in my generation, I, I ended up in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and when you talk about replanting these herbs in the land, I'm feeling a lot of uh, hope for all of us refugees that even human beings can replant them, replant themselves. What do you think? Oh, yes. It's so true. And so often, those of us who have come to wherever we are from so many places on the earth, there is 
the way that we replant ourselves is by coming to know, I'll speak for myself, yes. the women, uh, and it's mostly women that I've, I've worked with, to help replant ourselves by building that strong, cultivating that strong relationship with the places that we now call home. My background, my family lines, matrilineally come from southern India and Scotland and um, um, also from Senegal and Pasoggi here, the indigenous people on the east coast of, of the United States. So from all over as well. But there's water. Where there are human beings living, there is water. Mm. And there's also the ones that we like to call weeds because they are so plentiful and so recognizable all over the world. Um, they help us to reclaim the fact that we are daughters of this earth no matter where we are. Yes, and uh, I'm... Uh thinking and feeling about us women finding our voices. One of the most beautiful things that have happened to me is that I'm 60, I'll be 69 in two months. And in the last year, I've began to sing. Ah. Yeah. And all that, you can't hold a note, you can't sing, uh, and all that woman, that woman's uh, crushing, uh, seems to go away through through my hearing myself being able to being able to sing. And so, I'd love for you to talk about your experience with women and voice. Oh, Joanna, well, right now I really had to contain myself. I'm leaping up and down yeah. and, and so happy for you that mm -hmm. you are back in your voice. That is such a miracle and such a blessing to realize that power of being a wind instrument and letting the wind pour through your body and make beauty with it. It's a part of what makes any human being, what makes us human, is that ability. As much as our opposable thumbs, the way that we are with our voices also mm -hmm. is a distinction for human beings. So when I work with women, and I, I do a lot of work with women in a way that I call voice blessings, mm -hmm. because our voices are blessings, and I'm here to tell every single person who's listening no one can carry a note. Notes are insubstantial. No one carries them. <laughs> In a bucket or anything else. <laughs> if you're singing. And so there's so many of these things that, that children get told oh. that uh, are crushing. Shamed, shamed. Shamed, filled with shame. And that then get carried as pain throughout where we've created the, you know, the class of designated singers, and I'm blessed to be one of those. But also I was told to hush. Um, and um, 
because my father was interested in watching the football game. And right. what is there to hear except... Uh, but he was saying, hush, so that he could watch the football game. Right. <laughs> and I started closing my throat to sing the high notes quietly so he wouldn't hear me, which is also a dangerous thing to do. Uh, you don't want any tension around anywhere in your body holding it tight as you as you are allowing yourself to be that wind instrument that we have the joy of being. So I'm, I leapt up on my feet. I'm so excited mm. whenever I turn in the direction of allowing life to come through that way and helping others. And I listen to the breath and the intent. What, it, what is the purpose of singing? If we're singing for joy, if we're singing to feel that renewing energy of air. Singing is speaking with a little more air or a lot more if you're really um, using so much to create more volume. To feel what happens when we become those kinds of wind instruments is so powerful and so potent and so energizing. So then what is the, what is the vision? What is the intent, what is the aspiration, breath, aspiration, intent, and then tone. So we don't even get to that thing that people have been crushed for not being able to carry mm-hmm. for a long time as I'm working with them, because it's first getting that healing of coming back into a relationship with air that can make beauty. That's really the focus. Wow. I'm I'm seeing the image. Uh, perhaps that's why people who were sold into slavery or people who are were in prison um, sang or sing so beautifully or so 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 lively because it's such a breath of freedom. Tonight at 10 p.m., <laughs> be there or be square. <laughs> yeah. 
I love it. I love that. It's a it's a subversive language. It's a language of beauty and it's a language of subversion. I love it. Yeah, it's in a language of freedom and a language it is a renewing energy source. It's they don't create work songs. You know, work songs work because they help you get the work done. They carry you through, they renew the body. Yeah. There's a lot of studies now also about the humming of cats and how cat humming relates to the health of their musculoskeletal systems. Wow. So the thing that they attribute the cat's nine lives, they have research now that's looking at, ah, the thing that they're doing with this humming helps them to maintain that. Uh-huh. And so for those who are concerned about not carrying tunes and buckets and such, often uh-huh. I start the, the voice blessing by working with humming. Yes, yes. Because that then focuses on the internal experience. And hum a tune I will often invite that mm-hmm. you feel mm-hmm. in your heart. And even as your listeners are listening, you take a moment to to do that while you're listening, just and you can do that softly, and still hear my voice while I'm speaking. Mm-hmm. But just hum. There's so much with the mmm mm, that happens when you make that mmm sound. Mm. Where do we make it in life? Mm. The meal is good. The touch mm. is delicious. Mm. The hug is yum. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Mimicry would say, well, then, can it possibly be that if you start that mm, sound, that it might be a comfort? The body might respond to the mmm with the same kinds of feelings that happen when you make that sound unconsciously. Something to experiment and express with. And something that's also helpful and useful when we're engaged with others. You can see I could talk for hours about this, but if we're in a meeting or, or in our family and there's you know, challenging conversations, there are ways to go, hmm, and to have that sound help us stay in the room, not to quiet or deceive anyone, but to give the body the nourishment and the support that then helps with endurance. You see, work songs work. The ability of the voice to help us with endurance if we know just how to use it. I love that. Work songs work. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I have this image of this, um, this bucket, you know, because often when... When I meet somebody that we immediately feel tremendous warmth towards each other, I often say we're from the same bucket of souls. Uh. So we're carrying the same bucket of songs. Ah, I love that. Carrying the same bucket of songs. Wouldn't yes. that be, yeah, that sounds really good to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Rachel, um, what is... 
in your view or what clues can you give us about the process of freeing our voices out of the bucket? the water make a sound because it's mixing with the air? Well, we hear, so they call them sound waves, right? Uh-huh. And so we hear the sound waves. <laughs> ah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> right. So we, we, we sit by the water waves and we hear the sound waves and yes. the wave forms, you know, it's waves that a particle, is it a wave? So the flowing nature of it. The flowing. So we then begin to have more of a flowing sense with that impulse to lift our voices. 
So again, it's, 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 it's reintroducing the flow. And the way that we hear, we hear, yes, bone conducting, that's the way conduction we hear, uh, you know, percussion that impacts, but then how we hear with our ears with the sound coming in and then it goes in and it's actually a touch. It's, the air is, is um, vibration, it vibrates, and it, it's tickling us. Yeah. So we hear because of the touch of air. It's moved and it touches. I, this morning I was, of course, thinking and feeling a lot about you. And uh, I decided that you were an enlivener. <laughs> that, was your, that was one of your titles, Rachel Bagby, enlivener. <laughs> mm, I love that. I love that. I like it. I, it just, I mean, everything that, that I read about you and felt about you just just spoke to me, speaks to me about our connection with life. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. It is so true. It is so true. It's... And here on Singing Farm, again, now I'm looking out of the window that looks out on the south, and the trees are wearing their glorious adornments of mm-hmm. fall, which means that the energy is, slipping away and now we don't see the green pigments but we see the oranges and the yellows and the and the golds and so it's that that whole cycle of of living and dying and sound uh, the relationship of sound to all of that the the songs of of mourning and the songs of joy and the song goes through that whole cycle, the flowing of awareness goes through that whole cycle and has that appreciation. So Singing Farm brings together this appreciation of so much that life shows us in its whole cycle as I'm putting certain beds to bed but then mm-hmm. getting ready to plant the garlic oh. and the onions. Uh, so that they'll be ready in the spring uh-huh. and feeding the other parts of the garden with the green manures or growing things that will die back and then fertilize the earth and feed the soil food web. It's that whole cycle that uh, that we're blessed to be uh, human beings. And I mean, my goodness. <laughs> Often I notice, I feel... I feel joy because uh, I might have a, a bouquet of flowers in my bedroom, and then I notice that while they are on their cycle of decline, their their aroma, their perfume is stronger than ever. And I tell myself that about being an elder. Now your perfume can be stronger than ever. And you cared for your parents um, mm-hmm. when they were leaving this realm. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be beautiful if you feel like it to say a little bit about that because maybe some people who listen to our program, they, they need the strength that you can offer them through that, that uh, testimony. 
makes me feel, when you remind me of that time, I become very still inside. And uh, so much in the culture of the United States and how we face or don't face that phase of our lives together and, our, and the last steps of our lives together um, can be kind of scary given the way things can be structured. And so the first thing that I would say now as I become very still and I'm actually I'm wrapping my arm around myself when you ask me that question about caring for my elders, without thinking, I wrapped my arms around myself, Donna. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing that comes to my heart and mind, to say, anyone who is at that stage of their daughterhood or their sonhood, who is supporting you? To whom can you and will you turn to hold your hand or just be present with you as who knows what emotions or challenges or thoughts or memories or unfinished business or finished business, joy or grief will show up. But it it would be just so helpful to identify five or seven people mm-hmm. to whom you can turn so that you have some resilience there. So you're not wearing some one person out, but you're also not wearing yourself out to, uh, to offer whatever care it is that you feel moved or able to offer. And when I speak in this way, Joanna, I'm just thinking about that's one thing that I would have done differently. I did not build in that kind of support for myself. Um, And I would say that I know that I suffered and I know that my parents suffered uh, in ways uh, at some point that they perhaps would not have if I had done that. So that's something that I've I've learned from the experience. The other thing that I would bring forward, uh, and that's not saying that there was any way to, um, I'm not trying to say that suffering is either um, avoidable nor is it inevitable. I'm just saying what my experience was Mm -hmm. and what my thought was. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I think is really so critical to know is how to navigate around hospital systems if the caregiving in any way includes that kind of, and I'll, I'll call it an internship, <laughs> because if your loved one is needing to stay in a hospital, then as much as possible, from my experience, both from running an emergency room and from walking this path with both my mom and my dad, you want to make sure that you can be there for as much as possible, and certainly for the critical, uh, anything critical that's going on. 
And there are ways to do that, ways to arrange that with the hospital. And as soon as as any kind of relationship with hospitals looks like it starts to happen, make yourself best friends with the um, social services department, with the patient representatives. Let them know who you are attached to. I am so-and-so's daughter, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be living in this hospital room with her. <laughs> you know, right. make the announcement, and then uh, then the negotiation go, goes from there. But you, you state what your uh, intention is and what your call is, and then you see what needs to be worked out from there. Yeah. Uh, but being that kind of strong patient advocate is uh, so critical. Do you think that um, we are compost for the earth like most other things are that grow from the earth? That's a very interesting way of saying it. Immediately as you ask the question, are we compost for the earth? I'm thinking about all of the options for, quote-unquote, natural, more natural funerals and burying arrangements. Um, and um, right. see, I, and I, I'm, I'm chuckling. It's not funny, but I'm, remem- mm. I'm remembering <laughs> just from the, from the culture that I'm part of. Yeah. Uh, you know, those caskets are... <laughs> are sealed, their belief systems about, you know, being preserved for the time when you will rise up and go to heaven. All there's, right. There's, so there's a question of, my goodness, no, there's nothing in touch with the earth. <laughs> oh, that's like, why, that's why those boxes, the richer you are, the, the, or maybe the more rigid you are, the, the bigger, the tougher, the, the strongest wood. Yeah, those, I never thought about why those caskets are like that. It's because they're supposed to preserve you. What a joke. They're like fortresses. You know, and I don't know if they're to preserve you, but they certainly aren't putting you in touch with the earth, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, but there are other, there are folks who are, are moving more in the other direction. I mean, we can be compost for the earth. Uh, Spiritually we are, wouldn't you say? Say again, I'm sorry, Joanna. Spiritually we might be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have to just say it's an intriguing, more than intriguing. You ask the question and my 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 imagination begins floating softly around the room. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what that would possibly mean, but it is it is a, a possibility that inspires wonder. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I really don't have a belief about uh, life after death. I have to admit that. I have some experiences during my mother's last Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I made arrangements with someone to bring a room full of flowers, and that person did not show up. And so I went down to the garden, and I actually stole a perfect yellow rose. Mm. And I brought it in a little paper cup behind my back. My mother's very Christian, so thou shalt not. And... uh, and I'm crying, and it's the end of Mother's Day because these flowers were supposed to arrive. And I pull this little perfect but small yellow rose out, and I show it to her, and I say, Mom, I'm sorry, sorry, I'm supposed to be, I'm just crying. And she says to me, she stopped me, and she's just had this horrendous operation. And so she speaks to me about her love of that little yellow rose. <sighs> And I knew it was going to be her last Mother's Day. And sure enough, she passed the fall, that August after that, May. May. Well, in November of that same year, I'm at my mother's house with my father. It's around Thanksgiving. And it's cold. I mean, it's November in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. And the red, the little red and pink rose bush in the backyard grew one perfect yellow rose. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And so I thought, Mom! Mm. And I started to pick the rose, but I didn't. I just left it there. I never mentioned it to my father until a year later, around Christmas time on his birthday. We're sitting, and he's doing his favorite. He's watching the football game. And I say, hey, Dad. He said, yeah. I said, you remember that November after Mama passed? He said, yeah, yeah. I said, you know that pink rose bush out back? And he said, yeah. I said, did you see that yellow rose? Uh-huh. Yeah, I saw it. I said, Dad, I think that was Mom. Uh-huh. And he says, I think so, too. Oh. I think so, too. How tender. So what what do I do with that, John? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Share it and share it and share it and share it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. As my mom was was uh, struggling with her dying. Mm-hmm. I came home to do a ritual. Uh, I actually came home to get as many clothes as I thought I would need to just stay with her for whatever the duration was going to be because Mm -hmm. I knew her time was close. But this song just erupted out of me. Release your ideas of life and death. Release your ideas of life and death. Mm -hmm. And I just kept singing this song over and over again. I closed the doors bedroom, my husband came and he knocked on the door. He said, it sounds like there's a lot of people in there. I said, there's a lot of people in here. Leave me alone. So uh-huh. I just kept singing and singing that song. And she actually passed the following week. But there's this um, sense of releasing our ideas of life and death. Yeah, yeah. To allow that flow to happen. And I hope, and I'm pretty sure I will. Remember this as my time to 
to move into a different way. Mm-hmm. Come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Let that be at perfect timing. I started to say a ways down the road, but who wants to say that? I yeah. think perfect, and I want to know that it's perfect at the moment. Whatever the moment is, I want to say, hey, this is perfect, and just, you know. Well done, lady, exactly, exactly. And it it just came to me because I, I you reminded me that um, in, the, in the moments that my mother was dying in the hospital, uh. I started singing, and I started singing this uh, Rod Stewart song. I am sailing close to you. I am sailing, I am sailing. And I just went on like that while she was going. And I'm thinking, all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, why are we talking about death? And... It's perfect because this conversation will go up tomorrow and Sunday oh, is the Day of the Dead. Really? How about that? That is so wild. For the life force to show the way. The life force perfect. to show the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, you were speaking and it rose in me that, of course, of course, we are celebrating the Day of the Dead together. Right, I feel the same. But we do. Uh, I certainly do experience. Um, I experience the closeness of my loved ones at this time. I certainly do. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in French, uh, in Catholicism, French anyway, they call it uh, All Saints Day. Uh-huh. And I want to say, may they all be saints. All of our ancestors, may they be saints. Mm-hmm. Come marching in. Yeah. When the saints come marching in. Yeah. Ah. Mm-hmm. Rachel, I, I was um, wondering if um, we, we might... Uh, come around with this conversation and you would be willing to and I'm shy in saying that but would you be sit, willing to sing for a little bit? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you had your tea and honey this morning? <laughs> I have not had my tea and honey this morning but you know we we have ways of working around that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just curious about uh, why are you feeling shy about? I don't know. I don't know. I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could answer that, but I don't know. Hmm. I think because it feels like such a gift, and. I'm still shy of saying to people, please give me that, that which is your greatest gift. Mm, 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 mm. Well, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to hear the request. Mm. 
from this end heart piercing uh, tear producing um, and um, and like a like a waterfall that washes away but yet falls on the body very strong that's what that's what I'm feeling. I don't know what the other people would feel. <laughs> Thank you for your poetic receiving. Well, Rachel, thank you so, so much for your deep presence today. I so appreciate being able to revel uh, and tarry a bit garden with you, Joanna. Beautiful. Such a gift. Thank you. Thank you.